What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as always are my great co-hosts, Federico Perez, Maria Ritos, and Ralph Hanna. And guys, we're going to switch gears for this kind of episode today. It's going to be a very interesting, not really a special episode, nothing that we've been doing so far in terms of weekly coverage of what's been going on in Paraguayan football, but we are going to specify on one thing a tournament that maybe not a lot of people know about when they think of Paraguayan football. They always like to talk about the national team, like to talk about the club game, all that kind of stuff. But we're going to focus on what really makes Paraguayan football so unique. And that is the Copa Paraguay. The Copa Paraguay is, of course, the National Cup of Paraguay, which similar to what we see in the FA Cup or in Copa del Rey in Spain or any of those competitions is a national tournament that involves all the teams all across the country to participate, to become national champions of Paraguay. So let's go straight into it. First, let's go and really talk to someone that has been actually commenting some games and get a quick introduction. Fede Perez, how are you? I mean, I, I'm curious to see what you personally think about the Copa Paraguay and what makes it so special in your opinion. Oh, I love this tournament, Roberto. Hi to you, hi to Ralph, hi to Maria, hi to everybody always listening to us. Well, yeah, I mean, this tournament, we've been kind of waiting for it the, the whole year, actually. We didn't actually know if it was going to happen or not because of the whole COVID situation, uh, because football has not been played all around the country itself yet. Uh, the tournaments uh, from the countryside are just coming uh, to start now in these past month in July. So it's been kind of hard for them to, to actually uh, have the activity of being played uh, to play and just just because it's a lot harder for them to to obviously uh, uh, to, to keep it up and and we have to talk about this tournament just because of what you were saying it's just so unique it it, it, it gathers all the clubs uh, from from all around the country all the best clubs because they actually have to qualify to get to this stage it's not that easy for them for the ones from the countryside for those small clubs from smaller divisions, Rob is going to explain the format. He's going to explain a little bit of how the Paraguayan football itself works. Because we have the FA, FA, FA here, and we have another association that works closely just to try to explain it somehow. Rob is going to do it a lot better than me. And we're, uh, we're, I'm going to talk about some of the games that I've seen. Uh, I, got my, I got my chance to see one of the games uh, up close, and obviously... Uh, it's been a fun week. It's, this is an awesome tournament. I think people that don't know much about Paraguay can can really get to know the country just by watching some of these games, just by seeing how raw some of these players are, just because of the amateur even a level that, that you're going to get from them. That's why we're kind of getting these six to zero of the teams that play in top division, uh, playing against a, a third division, a fourth division team, which is uh, obviously something fun about it, and especially because of the format. You got 90 minutes, and if you don't win, it's penalties. So it's a lot tougher for some of these teams, and we've actually had uh, a first surprise. We're going to talk about that and everything that's been going on this week in Paraguayan football, like always. Of course, and let's go to Maria on this one because, you know, I, I think, I'm sure, Maria, you've been to Paraguay multiple times. I've been to Paraguay multiple times. All of us have been to Paraguay multiple times, and I'm sure we've all seen those kind of, like, little kids playing on the streets, you know, playing the portreros, also playing them on, like, those, those like, rugged fields uh, in the countryside. And, you know, those are some of those really nice stories that you see that, you know, maybe they have that dream of playing for the likes of an Olympia, of a Cedro, let alone go into Europe or something, but it all starts there. And you have a lot of those people, not kids, but also teenagers, even adults really, who look at this tournament as a way to really show themselves. And, you know, because of how it is, 
that shiny moment can change their life for quite some time. So it really is, as, as Ralph, as um, Fede said, it's a, it's a really unique tournament for, for anyone really of the social class in Paraguay. That's true, Roberto. And, and it's, it's really awesome how this tournament can, can be like an open door for a lot of uh, young kids, young players that want to make it out there. Like you were saying, um, hi, by the way, to everyone. <laughs> um, and it's a time for, for a lot of, um, a lot of people to look at, at the players and, and look at the, the talent that, that the country has, because a lot of times, you know, we get um, uh, players from other countries as well, but you also need to have that, um, that talent from here. So from, from Paraguay. So it's it's really a, a time a shining moment for all this for all these kids, um, these players. Some of them are older actually, and uh, we'll talk later on about uh, a specific uh, player that debuted for Olympia, um, Gustavo Peralta, who definitely made this competition his own and 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 shined so well. It played so well in his debut, and we'll talk about it later. But that's the kind of example that that you see, and like you said, Roberto, it's it, it's uh, players that come from nothing. You know, they come from the streets and they play. Um, you know, in the little small little fields that they can afford. Um, you know, I have like there's a range of, of of players out there. You know, I have like uncles and and cousins that have their own little club that that would like to participate and have the chance to participate as well because of this format. That the, that the APF has been able to, to, to create uh, to give these people the opportunity. So it really is an exciting time. And um, it's, I'm happy that everyone it's starting, that the competition is starting again after a year that's been out. Now, Ralph, obviously coming from England, you know your fair share of what you like to see in the FA Cup, for example. Obviously, you see those big shocks. You always see those teams, you know, kind of Sunday leading, kind of those like really lower division sides fighting the FA Cup. So this is something that you're familiar of. But of course, I'd like to get this discussion rolling and I want you to talk about what is the Copa Paraguay, what kind of format is it, and, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah, of course. Well, hello, everybody. Um, yeah, and firstly, I mean, I, I echo the thoughts of you guys. I, I really enjoy this competition um, because it is, you know, does kind of democratize football in, in Paraguay that we see the, the Primera and Intermedia. It's often like a lot of clubs from, from Central and from Asuncion, which are the two, you know, major centers, I guess, of football. Asuncion being the capital city, Central is the department that, that surrounds it. But yeah, let's get into the, the Copa Paraguay. So, so Paraguay had a cup tournament in the early 90s called something called the Torneo Republica, Republicana, but it didn't last very long. And then since then, there hadn't been any kind of, of cup tournament. And one of the main reasons is what Fede was saying, you have the Paraguay and FA, the, the APFA or APF, to say it in English. And then you have somebody called UFI, which is the the... Union de Fútbol del Interior, so in, in English, I guess it's like the, the Rural Football Union. So they manage football kind of in the countryside. And so it, I think it took a long time for those two to really get together and agree on this, this format and having this tournament. You know, who funds it, who pays for things. And, and we'll see as we talk in this discussion that that's been an issue already in, in this edition of the Cup. Um, but they finally got it together in 2018. So we had a tournament in 2018, which Guarani won, 2019, Libertad won. 
And then 2020, it was postponed until now. So the teams that are playing now actually qualified for the 2020 competition, but for reasons of the, the pandemic, they're not playing until now. But the, the draw and everything was actually done like in 2020. And they just kept the respect of the same games and, and same teams. So you have 64 teams is straight knockouts. So now we're in like the round of, of last 64, then it goes 32, 16, quarterfinal, semifinal, final. Um, one is just a one-off game, as Fede was mentioning, 90 minutes goes to penalties. Um, so there's no replays, which they, they traditionally have in the FA Cup and no, no kind of extra time or anything. I think maybe there's extra time in the final. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, at least in the, the other games, it's 90 minutes straight to penalties. Um, and then it's made up of, of course, the major teams qualify automatically. So your Primera and your Intermedia, your third division, your fourth division, those teams are in them. And then you have the people from the countryside so, so that the UFI have, have put together. And the way the teams from the countryside qualify for this, uh, for this tournament and the way they've made it a truly national tournament is that it's regional qualifications. So Paraguay is made up of 17 departments, which is like provinces or states. And you have a team representing each one of those. And they had to qualify locally. So, so you would have had, you know, the team from Boqueron, which is right in the Chaco region, you know, with Bolivia and Brazil in the very north of the country. Those guys uh, have one representative just as, say, Alto Paranadas, which is Alto Paraná is where Ciudad del Este is. So you have actually, you know, some, a big city and, and much more teams. But each one gets their, their representative there. So I think this year I was uh, I did a thread on this on Twitter and there's let me just remember I think 40 of the 64 teams are going to be from from kind of Central Asuncion and then you have your other you know the local uh, local teams um, and that makes up the the 64 and this year I think there's going to be 17 teams that are debuting that that have never been in the tournament before. Because you'll have a few that, that, you know, maybe qualified for the 2018-2019 competition. Um, that's pretty much it. And then I guess the draw uh, was done last year. But, you know, the draw keeps in this, in this first round. I believe they keep away, you know, the Primera teams. There's like a seeding to it. Um, but then as you go in, there's, you know, as there's not that many teams... Um, there's only you only have 10 teams in Primera and then you have your, your Intermedia. I mean, then it just starts getting mixed up in, in the bracket. So at the moment you're getting these big, you know, these giants against small team games, which we'll, we'll talk about a few. And the interesting thing is because of there's been no fans um, allowed or now they're allowing, you know, a very small limited number of fans for some games, but it's allowed them much of many of the games to be played in stadiums that you really wouldn't usually see games in, or at least see the big teams traveling. So we'll talk about Olympia, but Olympia went yesterday to Juan Leon Mallorquin, and it's the first time they've ever played in that city. Imagine, you know, Olympia's been around for a hundred and something years, and they've never been to this city in, in Paraguay until until today. So it really is opening up the tournament. And that game, if anybody noticed was being played at 3 p.m. local time, which seems very strange on a weekday, but it's because they didn't have floodlights. Um, so that's the kind of that's the kind of tournament we're talking about. That's the kind of magic we're talking about. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's very exciting. Of course, the favorites are going to be 
the Primera clubs, but in these first rounds, you get some of these these amazing games and kind of David and Goliath stories. Well, it's good that you mentioned the Olympia case because we did see them win 6-0 on the day against Deportivo Primavera, which is a team, if I'm not mistaken, um, well, yeah, in, in Juan Leo Mallorquin. But yeah, and, and Fede, I want to go to you on this one because you, ha- you had the honor of you know calling a few of these games so far. I'm sure you're going to have the honor of calling much more games in the in the future. But, you know, certainly it's that case. It's like you look at the teams in the four divisions, obviously the, 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 division, the four, uh, four divisions, and then you look at the 17 teams that are from the interior you know i i think it's it's fascinating to see especially when you look at how you know not all of those teams that are from like the the union del fútbol interior they're not playing against big powerhouses they might get their chance um in the next round so it, it certainly does like you said ralph and then i'm gonna go to fed on this one it kind of opens the doors for these teams to get that opportunity and you know, it's, it's going to be tough for them to play against full-on professionals, but that, that's just what makes the beauty of it. And, you know, maybe we can see that in this tournament. You know, Robert, I was just thinking about it while you guys were talking. You know, in a country that hasn't been able to go into the last two World Cups, this is probably the most exciting thing that has happened in these last couple of years in football itself for a Paraguayan game. I mean... Uh, th- this was a cup that was made from scratch. I mean, we have what Ralph was talking about back in the 90s, but we haven't had anything re- recent uh, years for the uh, countryside teams to show themselves to kind of really uh, build up and, and, and evolve even to grow, I would even say, you know, to, to make some money out of, out of playing football, which is really hard for, the, for these small teams in the countryside because they don't play big competitions. They play uh, against them. Uh, they play against each other most of the time during the year and they just play local tournaments like Ralph was explaining uh, due to the association they they play in. So this tournament is just awesome. Just gives everybody opportunities and you know, you just gotta be strong. Uh, You have to be able to get a a couple of good players. You know, maybe you go and and find players that are 38, 39 that are in their last couple of years, but they played in the first division. So, you know, maybe they, they become the star of your team. And then you have players that have always played in some, in some of these teams and they really want to do something still and they want to have their day and they want to be the star of the game against Olympia, against Cerro Porteño, against the big teams. And, you know, I was just hearing Ralph and this tournament is yet to be won by Olympia and Cerro Porteño, the big powerhouses of the Paraguayan football. So, you know, this is a very, this is a very good a tournament that has all these opportunities, even in the big teams, because we've seen Olympia play, we've seen Cerro Porteño play, and they haven't played with all their stars. They, they haven't put all their stars. They actually are putting in very uh, young teams. You know, they're giving the opportunity to, to those players that are not playing. Uh, the, the, young, the, the other leagues haven't come back. I mean, the youth leagues haven't come back here in Paraguay in football. So they're kind of using this uh, Copa Paraguay, this new tournament, uh, to, to give those players some game time uh, that, that they don't usually have. What a need. I had the problem because they did just that. They put in, um, you know, a set, an alternative squad and they ended up losing in penalties uh, to, a, to, a, to a, a team that's in, in the third division. So, so this could happen. I mean, this is going to happen uh, to some of the big teams in the Paraguayan game. But I love it. I, I think that you, you find all these stories in, in all the clubs just because of the clubs itself, because of the players, all the sacrifices. And there's a lot of problems also. This is the third time they're doing this Copa Paraguay. In the first couple of tournaments, we kind of saw that some of the teams even had problems 
just getting to the venues, just getting, just moving themselves from the city, just just even uh, having the basics to play a soccer game, like uh, have your boots uh, not broken. Uh, you know, you, uh, most of these guys are probably uh, having to take their 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 soccer cleats to to repair before going to some of these matches just because they can't afford to buy some new uh, football cleats uh, before a big game like this. You know, they, they don't have that day-to-day -day in football itself. They live out of something else. They, this is an amateur world for them, but they have this opportunity to go against the big teams. And I, I had the chance to see Deportivo Recolecta, actually, which is a team from Asuncion. Uh, they are actually in the third division right now. They used to be in the first division, but this was a way long ago. I mean, this is a team that's uh, in a very populated zone here in, Paris, in Asuncion, the, the capital of the city. We were talking about this with Ralph. I mean, uh, a lot of history actually in this hood because of because back in the days, uh, the city kind of ended there. Uh, it started from the port, it started from downtown, and it would actually kind of end right there where Deportivo Recoleta has their stadium. And from then, from then, the city just kept on building. And now people even live out of out of Asuncion because it's really expensive to live in the capital. And even if you've been to uh, Paraguay lately, if you've been to Asuncion, you can actually see that the 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 oldest place of this of the whole city is downtown itself because of that because it is the the oldest place and it is from where the city and the rest of the country probably uh, built up. So you got Deportivo Recoleta, who, which is from there, uh, and and you have General Caballero, which is just doing an amazing thing in Intermedia, the second division. Uh, hear this, uh, hear this uh, name uh, very well because we might have it on the first division next year. General Caballero has just blown away all the teams in the second division this year. And we might even see him in the Sudamericana because the team that wins the, the second division tournament is actually going to get a chance to play the Sudamericana next year. And that team for now is General Caballero, who played against Deportivo Recoleta in this new tournament that has just started, which is Copa Paraguay. Uh, the game was for General Caballero, but from Juan León Mallorquín, that's the city where they play. They actually played there, uh, so they had a home advantage, we can even say. Um, so that also happens in some of these early stages because of the organization itself. They want to take some of these games, some of these big teams to the countryside, and they did that with Olympia, who played uh, in the second game in, in this same day. And I got the chance to see some of these players. I'm actually covering uh, the third division. So I've been seeing these game, these, these teams up closely and I'm just blown away what I see from General Caballero. They put an alternative squad also, but they just really uh, uh, ran by a, a third division team. There's only one division between these two teams, but this is a very strong uh, countryside team, which is growing. They actually want to build a stadium where they can actually play next year in first division also. So this is a, a team that we should probably look into closely, like we've done with Guairenia, which is a co another countryside team, which is now in first division. They've done big things. They've actually played yeah, Sudamericana even lately. So watch out for this team. You know, they, they're moving on in this Copa Paraguay. They left behind Deportivo Recoleta, who had their story. Uh, I was I was kind of shocked to hear that there was a 47 year old player in Deportivo Recoleta. His name is Luis Vidal. He was actually uh, news uh, a couple of years ago when he uh, came back to play because he had already retired from football. He he got his chance at professional football just once in Sportivo Luqueño. That was back in the 90s, and then he was always just playing amateur football uh, in, in small tournaments. Uh, you know, just playing against. Uh, 
uh, people from from high school and stuff like that, which are big tournaments actually here in in the capital. And 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 he's a he's a, an entrepreneur also. So he he has the money to be the president of Deportivo Recoleta, which in the third division you have to put in a lot of money in these big in these teams. I mean, you have to really pay the salary for the guys. Uh, you don't get much 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 money from the FA. And and he also plays 47 years old. I mean, these are kind of the stories that you can get in this Copa Paraguay. These are some crazy guys that, you know, they just want to keep on dreaming and they actually are living the dream. I mean, they're, they're doing everything. They're, he's the president, he's playing, and he has two sons who also play in Deportivo Recoleta. And they don't usually play together. He's, he's actually talked about this several times. I mean, he doesn't force him, uh, his, his place on the team. He, he always kind of respects uh, what the coach uh, thinks, but they actually put him in this game. They were losing 2-1, and he even got a penalty with, I think, should have been called to his side, to his team, and maybe we could have had penalties. It was a very tight game. It was a 2-1 for General Caballero, but Deportivo Recoleta with Luis Vidal, 47 years old, just blew my mind on this game, and we're going to get these kind of stories just every week in Copa Paraguay. I remember Recoleta at the time, I think they signed Toro Acuna as well, the ex-Paraguay player. When he was like 43, 44, he was playing lower division with them. Um, I actually, so when I first moved to Paraguay, just quickly, I, I lived next to Deportivo Recoleta Stadium. So it's right next to the cemetery. I wasn't living in the cemetery, um, but, <laughs> but it's right next to there. And like you said, it's like this prime real estate. Um, and the people I was living with, they told me that, that they had been in Primera just before I got there. And there was one time Olympia went, and it's when Roque was at Olympia, but as a 17-year-old, like, star. And Olympia actually went and played in that stadium. It's a tiny stadium. And they said, like, it was people were pouring over the fence, everything, because everybody wanted to see Roque play. So Recoleta definitely have their history. Um, I mean, one of the teams I was looking into, if we're talking about countryside teams, is... I was looking at this site called Atletico Trevol that are playing. They're going to be playing like right now as we record. But by the time this goes out, I think we'll have found out if they won or lost. Um, but they're from Loma Plata in the Chaco region. And the Chaco is like this very desolate region in Paraguay. Um, I mentioned before there's like 17 departments in Paraguay. There's only three in the Chaco, but those three are like pretty much bigger than the other half of the country. So it's, you know, this huge uh area to the west of paraguay but it's very few people live there but some people that did go and live there um are mennonites so the mennonites that escaped russian control they're german speaking they escaped like the russian empire i think or something in the mid 18th century they they went off to canada then many of them for whatever reason went down from canada to latin america and, and a lot ended up in paraguay so there's a Mennonite colony in, uh, in this Chaco region, in this place, Loma Plata, and they have a big factory. And this, this factory is mostly like for dairy and for meat and that kind of thing. And a lot of the factory workers are, are native people of the Chaco, so indigenous people in the Chaco region work there. And so there's a team called Atletico Trevol. The Trevol is like the clover, like four-leaf clover. Well, three-leafed clover would be a Trevol. Um, so that's their sign, and that's because it's part of the company called Chortitsa Company, which is which is run by the Mennonites. But all the players for this team, although they're funded by them, all the players are, are indigenous players. Um, some of them have played in the in the indigenous Copa America, which which Paraguay won. 
Um, and if people watch the Copa America recently in Colombia, have a player, Luis Diaz, who, who plays for Porto and scored a great goal in the Copa America. Uh, he had actually, he, he's of indigenous uh, descent in, in Colombia. And he actually played against, you know, Paraguay in that Copa America uh, back in, I think it was 2015. So they have some players from there and then, you know, some just really local players. Um, and they have to travel something like over 400 kilometers to go to a game. The region where they're from is, you know, there's is dirt roads for, for most of it, you know, that, that travel. So uh, Fede was talking about the travel and finding a hotel. They have problems. They didn't have a hotel um, until like the night before because, you know, the check hadn't arrived from the FA and this kind of thing. It was between the FA or the, or the rural Paraguayan union as to who to pay eventually it was all all sorted out but that's some of the the problems they have and um and so they're they're traveling they had to travel down to to via Ages, which is in the chapel but it's like it's very close to asuncion compared to the the area they're from which is which is very far and, and interestingly um atletico trebon they didn't actually, they won the Loma Platense tournament, but they didn't win the departmental tournament to represent Bocaron. They actually came second. They lost to another team. But this other team couldn't get the right kind of paperwork and regulations to be able to compete in the Copa Paraguay. So, so that's how Atletico Trebol get their chance. And we'll see how they do. Um, they don't speak, they, they don't speak spanish or guarani natively like most of paraguay they actually speak an indigenous language to the chaco which is i think is i don't know how it's pronounced correctly but i'll try i think it's called el net uh, which is lengua norteña or northern northern tongue i guess would be the translation in english um so they're going to communicate in a language that, that probably none of their rivals can even understand you know paraguay being bilingual spanish guarani but this is a different uh, indigenous language so that will be interesting as well i saw already tigo sports that, that are covering copa paraguay because that's why Fedes covered some games i think they did a couple of videos and and some of the trainers you know the coach is speaking uh, in that language so it's you know it's very exciting and this is what we're talking about you know these teams coming from from all over paraguay to to compete in this tournament well, that was super interesting, Ralph. Uh, I wonder if um, the players on that team are like, local and indigenous or not Mennonites because of their religions. Uh, I'm not sure. Do you know? Yeah, that's a good point, right? Yeah, because also the Mennonite colony is a very closed colony to to the outside world, or at least growing up as children. I know some people that that have lived on those colonies in Paraguay. So as, as kids, they're not really exposed to the to the world, I suppose, because um, because of their religious beliefs. And that's right, maybe for, for playing football as well, football would probably be frowned upon um, in the Mennonite community. So that might be why it's the, the indigenous players that have picked it up and are playing. Uh, what I understand, Rob, is that they get the support from the Mennonites, uh, uh, you know, cash-wise. I mean, they get money from the Mennonites and they help out this team. Like, because if it wasn't for the Mennonites, they would probably have like nothing, no shirts, no, no, no football shows. It would be really hard for them to have like even balls to play with. So they've they've actually had to like cooperate and and kind of come together in a com in the community because you know these are people that are from other countries these are people that came to Paraguay like you said and they've actually just 
they found these indigenous people that just lived there and, you know, just, you, they just had to live with them. And, and that's the beauty of it also, you know, just that they actually didn't take the native people out of there. They've actually, they live with them and they actually help them out, which is something that probably the government doesn't do much, but that's another story. It's, it's these type of stories, man. It's like you, you talk about all these kind of stuff. I'm sure all of us can relate in terms of like obviously growing up and wanting to have those dreams of being a professional. And like you have these kind of players who are out there just having fun. They're not playing for anything aside of glory and, and to be recognized. They're not getting anything fun. I mean, I could relate the same thing. Um, you know, my my mom's hometown of San Jose Los Arroyos, which is in Kawasu. They also have that dream of wanting to win their department um, and to participate in a tournament like this. And so it's it's that kind of dream. It's like you want to do something well in your region. Then you do well in like your hood, then your city, then the whole department. And you just build your way up all the way to that big moment. Even if they were to lose, like we saw the other day, with the uh, Olympia defeating um, Deportivo Primavera 6-0. It, it's just those stories are just, they're fascinating. Um you know, Maria, I could I could tell you right now there's a team in Encarnacion called 20 de Septiembre who are actually in this competition. They will be playing, um, just double checking here. They're also playing, they're playing Atira on, on August. So yeah, it's it's those kind of thing. It's like you can relate to it in a way that is fascinating. And it, it's, it, it's like you said, Fede, aside from the excitement of a World Cup, it's these kind of things. Because it's like you want to support the underdogs, unless it's your team, obviously. But still, it's just... You love those kind of stories. Yeah, you have all kinds of teams. Like Ralph was saying before, you have teams that some that are traditional teams. You have clubs that are, have nothing to do with where they're from. You have teams that actually represent the zone that they that they are from. You just said Atira. Atira is a whole city here in, in Paraguay. So they actually they they play for the city. You know, they actually build up a team from there. They, they came from scratch and they and they. And they got it to, to this point to be a, a team that's in the second division, Atira, and they might make it to the first division. You know, these are teams that are trying to make their spot. And this is uh, also part of what's been going on here in the Paraguayan football these last couple of years. And uh, I think it's just so exciting that Copa Paraguay gets to these teams and gives them some money, gives, gives them some spotlight also, just so that they can uh, actually start growing. And maybe we see some of these stars coming into the big teams in the first division, you know, eventually I do think it's going to be more competitive as the years go by. These teams are going to build up. They're going to learn from the experience also of playing and being eliminated. So, you know, in a couple of years, I think we're going to get more and more surprises in this Copa Paraguay, just like you get in, 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 in England, just like you get in, in Europe in these kind of, in these kind of cups that are being played all the time. Definitely. Yeah. I think you're going to, you're going to get more sponsors, like local sponsors. So the, the case of Atletico Trebol we spoke about is maybe like a unique case because there is that, you know, kind of, it's almost like a huge cooperative based in that, in that town. But for other places in the countryside, you're going to see, you know, maybe local businesses or sponsors that, that this year don't see so much interest. But when they realize, wow, the, the possible interest is a televised game if we if we have this this time next year with fans let's hope so you know with full stadiums then it's going to be basically it would be like a whole town would fill the stadium right because these are these are tiny populations many of these towns so i think it, it will just only grow and grow as the competition like gets older because as we're we're only in the third edition of this copa paraguay definitely looking at the stories that we saw as well with olympia obviously we saw 
the uh, the player Gustavo Benitez um, play in that game, and and obviously the famous story of him. Uh, sorry, not Benitez, Peralta, Gustavo Peralta. He um, he has a hearing deficiency, so that just those kind of stories of someone who grew up watching in the stands. Uh, there's a famous photo on Twitter that's trending of of him watching Olympia as a kid and now playing for the team that he grew up playing for. Um, in this competition, despite the the setbacks that he has, is is incredible. It's those type of stories that you know can make one player's life change forever. And not just of those at Olympia or Cetera and the big teams, but also the little teams. Who knows? And you know, we'd love to see it. We'd love to see one of these teams in the interior knock out the the big powerhouses of the Primera División. That would be amazing, right, Fed? I mean, I'm sure you would adore that, especially as comedy Maria as well. It happened. Guarani is out. Guarani was yeah. champion. No, no, but I'm talking about. I'm talking about the interior. I'm talking about like the yeah, really yeah. small teams. It, it could happen. I think it will eventually happen. That's why I was think. That's why I was saying before that I think you know that margin is gonna get smaller and smaller as the years go by. And I do think they are gonna learn from the experience. You know, these these guys are gonna play every year against these big teams. I mean, this is just this the third edition of the cup, so they're getting kind of used to it. They're learning from it. And we have great stories. I mean, and also, you know, if a big, if a small team wins, it's not that big of a news. But if a big team loses, it is big news, especially in these first uh, stages. So, you know, what and he had it for after them. You know, they were just one of the first teams to play and nobody wants to lose, even though you, you put an alternative squad, especially those teams that have already been champion like what I need. Uh, so this team actually wanted to make it farther. And no, 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 your, your history, your journey is over. And, uh, you know, a smaller team is going forward. And that's, that's the beauty also of, of Copa Paraguay, where maybe in their local regions, in, their, in, the, in the other divisions where they play, maybe they just want to tie that game, just get a point and, and think about the next game. They just don't want to lose. In these games, you, you got to fight a little bit more. You, you got to put more at risk. And if not, you're going to penalties. That, you know, in penalties, you know, anything can happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's just those beautiful stories. And, you know, it's unfortunate we're not going to see much after – um, in the next few weeks, obviously, the tournament restarts at the time of recording. It'll be back on August, so we'll see it weekly during that course of the month. And yeah, it's, it's going to be very fascinating to see what happens, and, and I'm really excited. And obviously, we would like to hope that more stories are, are out there of teams that are providing shocks and, and providing a kind of unity, you know, in, in such, a, such a chaotic world that is Paraguay and, and has so many issues politically, economically, from a health perspective, obviously, with the pandemic, I think this kind of thing of football, soccer, being kind of a of a gathering place and, and a way to bond an entire city or an entire state uh, department, it's just, it's incredible to see. So it's, uh, it's a perfect way, I think. Uh, yeah, Maria, if you wanted to say something, sorry. No, I was just going to say that um, it's also a very um, honoring thing for the smaller clubs to be playing the big guys, you know, like, um, the other day I saw um, an, an interview of uh, one of the directors, I believe, of the club that's going to play against Cerro Porteño, um, Benjamin Aceval, Dr. Benjamin Aceval. And, you know, they're very excited to just, you know, have them over and, and, and play against Cerro Porteño and, and, and be on the spotlight just maybe once in a, in a blue moon um, in, in, in their lives. So, it's definitely uh, an opportunity for them to, to, to for, for, the, for the world and for the country to, to see where, where these clubs are from and, and for people to get to know the smaller clubs and, and hopefully 
you know, find new fans here and there. Um, and I was going to say too, that um, a lot of these small clubs have their own like really good followings. Uh, uh, the, the, the clubs that, um, for example, uh, there's one that I was looking at uh, 29, 29 de September, 29 of September. Um, I was looking at like their Facebook uh, page because they don't even have like an actual uh, website and, and they have like all these followers and, and um, their fans and they're like, let's go 29 and let's go 29, you know, like very excited and very happy to be playing um, in this Copa Paraguay. So uh, yeah, it is an, uh, a super, uh, I, I guess, uh, uh, to people come together for this kind of competitions. Absolutely. It's, it's beautiful to see. And, and let's hope that we see more similar stories in the future. So, guys, I think this is the perfect way to close off a great episode previewing the Copa Paraguay, checking out the stories that have been going on. And obviously, for those who haven't been tuning in, obviously, check out our page, check out the follower, the Twitters of all of us here to get more information about the Copa Paraguay. So I think it's the perfect way to close this episode for myself, Roberto Rojas, Fede Pere. Maria Ritos and Ralph Hanna. Thank you so much for listening to this another episode of What I Need Vision. See you soon. <laughs>